Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. God's Word this morning from the prophet Joel. And if you saw the, uh, my Resurrection Weekly, I guess on Friday, I said this uh, over the next... Well, actually, I didn't say this in the Resurrection Weekly. But over the next eight weeks... Uh, we are taking a break from going through books of the Bible as we usually do, and we're going to look at some different topics that are important, uh, starting with our questions for God uh, that I, I invited a couple weeks ago that you could put questions in for God. And the first question that came in was perhaps not at all surprising in these times, but the question is why COVID? And in particular, why covid why, why has God allowed something like COVID that has such a great impact on his church, that has made it so difficult for churches to gather together, to even carry out the basics of worshiping together? Yes, we're, we're going, right? We have Zoom, we have these things, but it's, it's been a hard year um, for sure, for churches, for everybody. And, and why? Why would God do this? And so... It, it's, a, it's not something where we can see evil people at work. It's something that we, uh, it's, it's, it's a natural disaster. And so we actually find a lot of wisdom in the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel, uh, I'm not going to read, the prophet Joel is not long. It's only three chapters, but I'm not going to read the whole of the prophet Joel. That would be perhaps a little much for you to just listen to. But I'm going to read some portions of the prophet Joel to give you a sense of what Joel is talking about. And Joel, the, the interesting thing about Joel and the thing that is particularly relevant about Joel for, for, our, for our COVID situation is that we don't actually know the historical situation that Joel is speaking to. We don't actually know when Joel prophesied. Uh, the scholars think that Joel, this, this prophecy could have happened anytime from the 9th century BC to the 4th century BC. This could have happened before Israel was conquered and sent into exile, it could have happened after. Joel seems to be talking about a locust plague and about invading armies. And we're actually not entirely sure whether Joel is seeing invading armies like a horde of locusts or whether he is seeing locusts that are so dramatic it's like an invading army. Or maybe there's some of both. He is seeing a locust plague and he sees a coming invading army. So Joel kind of speaks to us to an unspecified disaster in really beautiful and, fig and, and picturesque language, terrifying language too, but with great hope at the end. So listen now as I read portions from the prophet Joel, and then we'll reflect on his word together. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. 
It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns. Because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, the oil languishes. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And in that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We pray now that as we speak, as as we read your word and reflect on it, that you would speak to us, that you would show us what you have for us this day, that your word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, that it may truly change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live, both today and in the days to come. Amen. So why... COVID. As I said, that was the topic, and as I was reading through Joel, you might have been hoping for an answer, and you might have found that it didn't, you might have been listening to that saying, I'm, I'm not hearing the answer to why COVID. Because as I read through Joel, and I, I, I will tell you that I did, not, I did not like slice and dice Joel, I tried to give you the sense of the whole, the whole book here. Um, Joel does not give an answer to why the locust plague. It's interesting because there's other times in the Bible that, that God does give answers. He says, this is, this is why this is happening. But Joel doesn't really do that. He just reflects on the plague. And yet in that, we can hear, hopefully if you didn't hear a why, you did hear some sympathy with our COVID situation. Just the feeling of the, <laughs> the cutting locust has left. Then the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, 
the destroying locust has eaten. Now, I don't know exactly what a swarming and a cutting and a hopping and a destroying locust are, but you certainly get the picture of like one after the other after the other. And COVID does feel that way, doesn't it? Where it's just one thing after the other. There's the fear of illness for ourselves. There's seeing people we love get sick. And then there's rules and restrictions and arguments about those rules and restrictions and wondering, is this necessary? Is that necessary? There's the exhaustion of trying to figure these things out, trying to make decisions. The exhaustion of differing decisions from different people, being separated from family members that you feel like you don't get to see. And then we see more where uh, down in verse, in verse 9, the grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. I think to the, to the question that I got of the question for God was particularly why COVID in how it impacts us as a church. And here we see the impact of this locust plague. Even the offerings in the house of the Lord were cut off. We can see the similarities to our own situation where we have been separated from one another. Many of us have been separated from, from coming to worship. There was a time that we were all separated from the Lord's table, from the, the bread and the cup that he has offered to us. Many of us are still separated because it's not safe to come together. And so things are cut off. And yes, we have Zoom. We're grateful for Zoom, for this kind of electronic connection. But at the same time, it's incomplete. It's empty. We say, why? Why, God? And yet... Joel does not give us the answer. He never tells us why. He never tells us why God allowed this locust plague, why God allowed these destroying armies. And in fact, we kind of we can see in other places in the Bible that we're not going, we're not always going to get answers. It says back in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, Deuteronomy is Moses' last speech to the people of Israel that he has led for 40 years through the wilderness. And he is about to die, and they're about to go into their new land that God has given them. And he gives them his final speech, and he says, this is what you're supposed to do. He lays out a lot of laws and encouragement. He reviews the history of what God has done. And toward the end of that, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, he says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed are for us and for our children, that we might follow this law. And that verse, while it may not be what exactly we want to hear for why COVID, we have to trust that that verse tells us what we need. And the prophet Joel tells us what we need. The proper answer to why COVID or why leukemia or why other kinds of suffering, why anything that we run into in this world that is so bad, the proper answer to why is that that is part of the secret things of God. And so we have to take comfort that while we don't know the secret things, that God knows the secret things. And that there is some reason that it is not right for us to know them. And that we believe that God has revealed to us the things that we do need to know. So instead of running after the answers to why, or running, or running into paralysis, or depression, or argumentation, about the why, we instead need to focus on the what, the revealed things. If God will not tell us why because the secret things belong to the Lord, 
then we have to take what he has given us, the revealed things that are for us and for our children. And so we must follow the revealed things. And as we dig more into Joel, we see three things that he has revealed for us. Three revealed things that in the face of why, in the face of COVID, really in the face of any kind of suffering, we can follow these three revealed things from the prophet Joel. The first is that we must reject the wrong answers of human wisdom. The second is that we must return to the God of steadfast love. And the third is that we must rehearse the story of God and his people. So we reject the wrong answers of human wisdom. We return to the God of steadfast love and we rehearse the story of God and his people. Reject, return, rehearse. First, we reject wrong answers of human wisdom. And this is really looking, looking kind of behind the space to see what does Joel not say, but what we are tempted to say. If you go to, a say, a college philosophy class and ask the question of evil, the problem of evil, how does a good God allow bad things to happen? which this COVID question is really kind of a variation on that. And you can read books and books and books and have discussion after discussion after discussion about why, why God would do these things. But many of these answers that you get in this philosophy class are going to be the wrong answers of human wisdom that Joel does not allow us. One of those would be that this evil is a specific punishment for sin. Now, the only place we could, we could get that, God's prophets have the authority. The messages from God to say this or that is a specific punishment for sin. And sometimes they do say that. But that does not give us, not having those prophets at hand anymore, does not give us the ability to say about any specific evil, this is a specific punishment for sin. In fact, even here in Joel, he does not say that. And there's other times, there's a story in the New Testament uh, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus and his disciples encounter a man who was born blind, and the disciples straight up ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, who, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that sinned that led to him being blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents. But he was born blind so that the glory of God might be revealed in his life. And then Jesus goes on to heal his blindness and demonstrate his power which what that tells us is that we cannot assume that there must be a specific punishment for sin in evil things that happen. It's a wrong answer. But it would also be wrong to say that it's just random. The very fact that Joel is crying out to God and offering this prophecy is telling us that this is not random. Joel, the Psalms, Job, all the other prophets, those who deal in suffering, they all see that God, is, that God is doing something. And they cry out to God. They say, this is not random. If God has made this world, if God is ruling over this world, we can't just say, this is random, and throw up our hands at that. So that's another wrong answer. Another one would be to think that God can't handle it. And this is a tricky one, that God can't handle it. That God is somehow struggling to figure out how to deal with evil in the world, but he just can't make it work. And this is something that if we're, for Christians, we're not, we're not likely to say that, to say that God can't handle it. 
because we kind of know in our heads, that's, that's kind of wrong to say God can't handle it. But oftentimes we act like that, that God can't handle it. And we just kind of, we just kind of then go back to kind of it's, it's a given. There's evil in the world. Maybe there's a, a struggle between good and evil, and God is on the good side, but he's just he's trying to work it out, or he just can't. But that's not what Joel does. Joel sees this as something that God totally could handle. That's why he calls on God to relent. Do you catch that in chapter 2? He said, even now return to the Lord. Return to the Lord your God. Verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Joel clearly knows that God could handle this. God could do something. And that may not be what we want to hear because in some ways that just, really God, you could do this differently and yet you're letting us go through this. And, but that's what God's word says. And so that's what we have to reckon with. And so we reject those wrong answers. What does that look like to reject the wrong answers? Really what this looks like in practical terms is we have to be willing to live in some uncertainty. We have the, the, the desire for these wrong answers of human wisdom is a desire to get things t- uh, tight, tied up in a neat bow, tidied up, to have it, to figure it out, to have it in a neat package. And it's uncomfortable to not have that. And yet God word, God's word calls us to reject these answers of human wisdom and just live in that uncertainty. To say, I don't know why this is happening. But I do know what to do. Because Joel chapter 2, if it tells us to reject some wrong answers, it also tells us what we are supposed to do. And that is to return to the God of steadfast love. That was in verse 13. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Now this is a little bit tricky because when I say return to God in the face of evil and disaster, we're not saying that it was a specific punishment for sin. That's not what Joel said. Joel did not say these locusts have come because you sinned. He just said oh my goodness, the locusts have come, therefore return to God. And we see this again, we jump over to the New Testament, again, another interaction with Jesus. This one's in Luke chapter 13. When some people tell Jesus, they say, hey, Jesus, did you hear about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices? Like, Jesus, what what happened? This great evil happened. And Jesus says, do you think they were worse sinners than all the rest? The implied answer being no. It wasn't that they were sinful, but you repent lest something bad happen to you. And then Jesus goes on to add on another example. He's like, and did you hear, you know, those 18 in Siloam who were killed when the tower fell on them? Were they worse sinners than all the rest? No. It was not a punishment for their sin, but you When you see that evil, you repent and return to the Lord. 
So even though we are not saying that evil and bad things that happen are a punishment for sin, we are saying that they call us to return to the Lord. And why do we return to the Lord? Because He is the God of steadfast love. Steadfast love, this word we see throughout the Old Testament, that God has made a covenant with His people. And so we can trust Him because He wants a relationship with us. And He uses all these things that are happening to call us back to Himself. And so when we see hardship, we are to consider our relationship with God and return to Him, for He is the God of steadfast love. So what does that mean for us? This morning, if you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I am a Christian. I don't know if I have a relationship with God. Seeing COVID, seeing all this is a call to return to Him to explore more, to learn more if there's more to learn. Or if you already know, but have just been walking away, to turn back and say, you know what, God, I do need more of you in my life. I need to obey you. I need to go your way and not my own. Love to talk more with you about what that looks like to return to God. If you are a Christian, you say, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Then the call is really the same, to return to him, to repent, say, you know, I, I have been following Jesus, but I have also been following my own way. As Morgan said up here a few minutes ago, I could tell my story and sound good, but I still would make myself out to be the hero in this, to say how good of a couple we were. But to come to that place to say, no, you're in a dark place. We needed God to help us. We need to follow him with our whole hearts. A little taste of what's coming in the next seven weeks. We'll be talking about our hearts, heart habits that lead to real change what it looks like to really worship God in practical ways to shape our hearts to love God more that lead to us loving others more. To look at this COVID and say, well, I don't know why this happened, but I need to return to the Lord in the midst of it. But here's the most important thing that Joel tells us. The most important thing is that in the face of suffering, we must rehearse the story of God and his people. Did you catch, as I read through Joel, the storyline that we were following? There was a story here in Joel. Terrible things have happened. The swarming locust, the cutting locust, the hopping locust, the destroying locust, the wine and oil being cut off, the sacrifices not being possible. And then there's the call to repentance, and then the Lord relents. The Lord became jealous for his land in verse 18 had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. And then in verse 28, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my flesh, my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Do you remember back early in the days of resurrection, we were going through Acts, and we read of the day of Pentecost, when the apostles spoke in different languages and the Holy Spirit was poured out, this is the verse that Peter quoted. The story continued. God had mercy on his people. And then it comes to the end. Verse 18, chapter 3. In that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine. The hills shall flow with milk and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. 
Yes, bad has happened. But the call of our story is to repent, to return to God, to put our hearts focused on Him. And then He will respond. He sent Jesus, and He forgives our sins, and He pours out His Spirit, and He is taking us to a glorious end. And in the sending of Jesus, we see the beauty that not only do we rehearse the story of God and His people, not only do we see that plagues and evil have happened throughout the Bible and happened throughout history, the early church was known for their response to the plague, that they stayed in the cities when the people of Rome fled. They took care of those who were sick. They walked without fear. Martin Luther, a great father of the church, spoke of the plague in his time, said, I will do all these things. I will take precautions. I will fumigate. I will clear out my air. I will do whatever is necessary. But I will not be afraid, and I will love those who are in need. We see the response of God's people, and we enter into that story in the midst of hardship. But when Jesus came, we saw that God entered into our story. So when we are rehearsed the story of God and his people, we are remembering that God himself entered in. That God does not just give us precepts and propositions for dealing with hard times, but God gives us himself in person and in relationship, who experienced the hardship and suffering for himself, who even went to his unjust death on earth, that the justice of God might be satisfied on our behalf. And this is what we most need. The child who is scared in the dark room does not need the propositions about the lack of monsters under the bed. The child who is scared in the dark room needs the presence of a parent with him to reassure him. And that too is what we need when we are the scared child in the dark of COVID. What we need is the presence of our God. And that is what he has promised us. He does not give us all the answers of why the dark is there. But he does enter in the darkness with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope of the prophet Joel that while terror may have happened then and while bad things continue to happen throughout your word, throughout the history of your people and even to this present day, that you have control of the secret things and yet you have given us all that we need to know. We pray that we would embrace your presence with us and know that you have entered in with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.